So we've come to the end, the last in our series on the third and fourth ages of Scripture. I wonder if you can remember who we've thought about in that time. Abraham and his gift of prayer and hospitality. Anna and how age doesn't really change who we can be for God. Peter Morris helped us to think about Daniel and our reliance on God in tough times. Andy shared with us about Sarah's disappointments over the years and helped us to think about how we've dealt with ours. Margaret encouraged us to think about Eli and how our behaviour works in the situations we find ourselves. Jackie reminded us of our influential roles with other people, be they our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, or friends and neighbours, as Lois had with Timothy. And last week, Tony helped us to consider the meaning of life as we followed Solomon's story with all his mothers-in-law. Well, our last person is another Old Testament character whom I don't think we often consider as being a major person, just a bit part player, if you like, in a story. But I'm not convinced that that's very fair. I think this particular person has a much bigger role that is far more important than we normally recognise. So when someone says to you, let me tell you about my mother-in-law... Most of us immediately think, oh no, we're going to get some incredible story now and it'll be really negative about the poor woman or it'll be some kind of ridiculous tale. Well, of course, that's often because the person speaking is a stand-up comedian. Well, as you know, I'm not very good at telling jokes. I couldn't do it to save my life. In any case, my life is already saved, so I don't need to worry about that. Um, But I do want to talk about a mother-in-law Not mine, um, although she was a lovely person from time to time, Um, but Ruth's mother-in-law. You see, Ruth really loved her mother-in-law, Naomi, even though she came from a very different land, and Naomi, it would seem, loved Ruth in return. I don't know whether you remember the story, whether you've even heard it before, but Naomi lives in Bethlehem, and she's married to El. Oh, I just can't remember. Elimelech. And she has two sons, Kilion and Marlon. And there's a famine in the, t- in the land. And so they decide to move to Moab. It's quite a long way away. But in that time, in the ten years they live in Moab, her sons take wives, Ruth and Orpah. Sadly, over time, however, Naomi loses both her husband, Elimelech, and her sons. She decides, eventually, that she'll move back to the land of her birth, to Bethlehem. And after lots of discussion, Ruth decides that she's going to go too. Chapter 1, verse 16 says, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there... I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was really determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So never mind their different family backgrounds and culture, and their ages, of course, and their in-law relationship, which no doubt brought some tensions from time to time, these two women were committed to each other. 
And of course, they did have something in common as they both share deep sorrow at the loss of their husbands. As I delved into the story, I realised that actually we find out much more about their relationship together than we do about them as individuals. And I wonder if they are probably quite a good role model for us today, trying to live life connected to others in our society that looks so much at the individual as being the best way to be. Naomi's faith in the God of Israel is the key part of her life that I think Ruth sees and copies. Her loyalty to her mother-in-law echoes that of Naomi's loyalty to God, the God she worships even in the foreign land of Moab. And it's just as well, because this is a real dark time in the story of Israel. Probably the time of the judges when this um, story happened And ironically, we'll discover that it's a Moabitess, a foreigner, whom God uses as an example of genuine spiritual character. But we're jumping ahead. Let's not get there yet. So the two women travel back to Bethlehem. And it's the time of the barley harvest. And they arrive just at the beginning. An opportune moment for a bit of gleaning on the side, as it were. The fact that it's the barley harvest means that it's springtime and in this farming community they would have had two harvests, the barley one being the first one, and there would have been plenty of leftover grain in the corners of the field following Israelite law. It was left there particularly for poor people who could pick it up. It's a bit like, I suppose, a welfare system, maybe even a bit like our food banks today, where those who have no means of providing for themselves could at least have the dignity of the work of picking up the grain off the ground, gathering some food for themselves. But in Bethlehem at this moment, this is a season of hope and plenty. But did Naomi and Ruth feel like that? Well, after some time, Naomi remembers a relative from her husband's family, a man called Boaz. And it just so happens that it is in his fields in which Ruth gleans And from here we see Naomi hatching a plan to provide for her daughter-in-law and herself. She sets her daughter-in-law up for a blind date. Ruth chapter 3 verse 1. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Well, there's all sorts of things could come out of that, isn't there? But eventually, it's a romance, and it begins there, and it blossoms. And after some tricky dealings and negotiations around land and estate and inheritance rights and requirements with another relative, a wedding day finally arrives. Naomi's plan is fully hatched, a happy ever after story. So why? Why is this story of potential poverty and misery included in the Bible? Well, I suspect it's because it's a story of faithful trust in God, regardless of circumstances. In the reading we had today, we eventually heard, didn't we, that a baby was born to the happy couple. 
But more than that, a grandchild is an amazing blessing for an amazing granny. Throughout her tough life, Naomi continued to trust in God. She had a deep faith in her Lord who could redeem situations. And in his turn, he brought great blessing to Naomi. But not just to her, but to us also. As we read in that chapter 4, we also heard the family line that was the heritage for Naomi's grandson, but also for us today, as Obed's own grandson is King David. And of course, he is in the family line of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. This story is a story full of grace in the midst of life and all it throws at people. In those dark days of the judges, a period of disobedience and idolatry and violence, there were still a few who followed God. In times of crisis and deepest despair, no matter how discouraging or antagonistic the world can seem, with all its politics, ethics, injustice and confusion, in all those times there are still people who follow God. They trust him and whom he can use if they are willing to achieve his purposes for the future. It seems to me that today... These days are quite dark, aren't they? With all the Brexit unknown stuff going on. I don't know about you, but in some ways I feel quite hopeless as I watch all the shenanigans on the news each day. I have no idea what's going to happen. People are worried about the future in all sorts of different ways. Enough from whether or not their their business will collapse to where is my medicine going to come from if it already comes from abroad? and everything in between that. I'm really challenged by it all, I don't know about you, but it, it's kind of, it's a tough time, is it not? And I keep asking myself, where is God in all of this? Now obviously, I don't know exactly where, but I do trust that he is in the midst of it all. Because I know that he's the God who can and does redeem, and more, I guess that you and I have a part to play in the redemption. No idea what that's going to look like, but no doubt God will show us if we offer ourselves to him to be used by him. Old Naomi's life was tough. An early widow in a strange land decides to trust the God of her heritage, return to her home and trust him again to provide for her. It's almost as though she risked her trust, isn't it, in her redeeming God, when everything seemed impossible, supposing he hadn't done and provided all the things that he did. Can we do the same? Can we dare to trust everything we are going through, Brexit, our family life stuff, our personal life stuff? Can we trust God with all of this? Maybe it seems risky, but no more risky than putting your faith in a distant relative that he is going to redeem your situation and care for you in your old age. Naomi's story, it seems to me, is a very clear picture of a story of a redeemer, the redeemer we know called Jesus Christ. So can we be like Naomi? Can we have such a deep faith and trust? In our Gospel reading, we heard about four men who exercised that trust When asked to come and follow, they got up and followed. The scripture implies that they literally dropped everything and went. I don't know that it was quite like that. Maybe it was, if it was, how amazing. But are we prepared to drop everything 
and follow our Redeemer. And how amazing is it that the simple story we've thought about today, this family story, is part of God's preparation for the birth of David and then, of course, of Jesus, who came from David's line, the long-promised Messiah. And if we'd read the genealogy in Matthew's Gospel, we would have found Boaz's name there and Ruth because they are important parts of the story. What did I say? A Moabitess who would have such an implication on life in the future. Just as Naomi and Ruth had no idea about the larger purpose in their lives, so we don't know, do we, the full purpose and importance of our stories, the lives we are leading, until, of course, we will be able to look back from the the prospect of eternity. That's why our faith and trust now are really important. Who knows what significance they will have, not just for us, but for other people in the future. Someone once wrote, live in faithfulness to God, knowing that the significance of your life will extend beyond your lifetime. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that this little story is included in your word because it reminds us that we are called to be people who trust in you and in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Saviour. Help us to do just that with all the different circumstances we find ourselves in, the personal ones, the family ones and the society ones. Lord, we entrust them into your safe hands. In the name of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen.